I'm going to bring the first uh, Bible reading and Gary's going to bring the second Bible reading. First Bible reading is from Matthew 7, uh, beginning at verse 7. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Uh, The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 10. And I'm reading from the CSB, because I always read from something strange and not normal. Boasting is necessary. It is not profitable, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool. Because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me. Especially because of the extraordinary extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn was given to me. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you, Gary. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that in your word we find you. We discover your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this morning that as we look into your word, that as we grapple with the question of prayer, that you might speak to us, that you might encourage us, and that you might help us as we seek you, as we knock at the door. We pray that you would answer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're doing this uh, thing for... uh called the, the prayer course, which uh, some of you have been doing as a, as a study. And it's all based around the, the Lord's Prayer, about uh, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. We started off by 
looking at the Lord's Prayer, and we talked about Jesus' routine, the place of prayer. We talked about the disciples' request, Lord, teach us to pray. And we call that the perfecting of prayer. We looked at Jesus' response, and we got from that the pattern of prayer. And then we continued the Lord's Prayer, and we thought about your kingdom come, and we said that was about living under God's reign. Your will be done, that was about living under God's rule. And on earth as it is in heaven, that was living under God's realm. And this week we are continuing uh, to think about uh, prayer. And uh, following the pattern of the prayer course, I realise some of you might not have got to the prayer course this week because of of the weather. Uh, But in this week, in the prayer course, um, as we continue to think about disciples, ask Jesus to teach us to pray, we're looking at the problem of unanswered prayer. And uh, they devoted a whole session to uh, this difficult subject of the fact that it appears that sometimes uh, prayers go unanswered. And first of all, I want to talk about the honesty of unanswered prayer. The honesty of unanswered prayer. Now, I realise a bit of a a disclaimer here. I I realise that, you know... Uh, some of you might not agree with everything that I say this morning, and that's fine. That's okay. That's okay to, to disagree with what I say. But I want to talk about the honesty of unanswered prayer. And I was interested in the session. They opened up, uh, these two, Pete Gregg and his mate, talking. He said, in the last three sessions, we've shared all sorts of exciting stories about answered prayers. Uh, but if we're honest, it's not as simple as that, is it? And it was that phrase, but if we're honest... And part of me wanted to say, wanted me to join in the conversation and say, well, are you saying sometimes we're not honest uh, when we're talking about prayer? And sometimes I think that is true. I think that's the case. Sometimes I think we are actually dishonest when we're talking about prayer. I don't mean deliberately trying to deceive people, uh, but I think sometimes we might be uh, guilty of exaggeration, Maybe. You know, you tell a story and it gets repeated and repeated and you embellish it and, uh, you know, and before you know this story's, you know, it's grown and it's, it's become something a lot bigger than it was when it started because people repeat stories, don't we? We hear a story of, of, of God doing something and it's repeated and repeated and by the time it gets to us it's like it's taken off and it's, uh, it's, it's turned into something really more miraculous than it actually was. And, and sometimes we are less than honest um, because we perhaps don't know what to do when our prayers are not answered. And we come up with all sorts of uh, reasons why they may not be answered. So, the honesty of unanswered prayer. And, I, and I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to be honest, um, and uh, this isn't a great thing, but I, I feel more comfortable about talking about unanswered prayer than I do about answered prayer, to be honest. I feel that I've got more experience in this matter. You know, I, I can tell you about prayers that have been answered, um, but I, I've probably got a lot more experience in, in, in unanswered prayer. So I, I, this week, uh, strangely and unusually, I feel as, as if I know what I'm talking about. And, uh, but maybe you too do. Maybe you too know what I'm talking about when we talk about unanswered prayer. And it seems to me that the tension between what Jesus says about prayer and what we experience when we pray. Have you noticed that? That there's a bit of a tension between what Jesus appears to suggest in the New Testament about what should happen when we pray and our own personal experience when we try to pray. 
Jesus says things like, you know, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And it sounds quite simple that all we have to do is ask and it will be given to us. All we do to, be, to do is, is to knock and, and, and God will open up the door and he'll be there. All we need to do is seek God and we will find him. If only it were as simple as that. Jesus says in, in Matthew 18, Again, truly I tell you, there are two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Anything they ask for. If two of you agree. Now, I know it would be difficult to get two people to agree in a Baptist church, so maybe that's one of the answers to uh, unanswered prayer. And again, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, not something I've tried, but, man, but who knows, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. This sounds really good stuff, doesn't it? You know, we could preach on this, couldn't we? I could, I could preach on this verse, I could preach on it. But I'm not going to. Philip Yancey, in his excellent book of prayer, Does It Make Any Difference? A great title, I think, says the real problem lies in not the fact of refusal, but in the Bible's lavish promises. In a nutshell, the main difficulty with unanswered prayer is that Jesus seemed to suggest there need not be any. And when you read verses like I've just uh, given to you, and we could have found lots more that say similar things, there does seem to be this tension, doesn't there, between what Jesus said to the disciples and what we experience when we pray. And that's why I think we need to be honest about unanswered prayer. We need to be honest. Of course, some people say there is no such thing as unanswered prayer. And uh, that might be you. You'll say, well, it's simple. Sometimes God answers yes, and we get a green light. Sometimes God answers wait, and it's an amber light. And sometimes God answers no, and that's a red light. And it's as simple as that. God always answers prayer. End of story, end of discussion, end of sermon. But there's something in that that, that, that I think, well, you know, if somebody's praying for something really serious, you know, if, if, if some poor... Uh, young girl is, is, is stuck in a, in a, in a beautiful, a, a, a abusive relationship or has been trafficked in the sex trade and she's crying out to God to release her. To say to her, well, God's heard your prayer, but he says no, somehow doesn't seem to kind of work for me. Or God said, you know, God's heard your prayer, but he says wait. And you think, well, wait a bit longer in this horrendous situation. What sort of God is that? And so it doesn't kind of wash. Although, you know, we can, we, we, we can see the, the truth in, in, in statements like that. And of course, sometimes people say worse things than that, don't they? Sometimes people say, well, if your prayer's not been answered, uh, there must be other reasons. Maybe it's because you didn't have enough faith. And some of those verses seem to suggest that as long as you believe, it will be given to you. So maybe the person isn't believing enough. Or maybe sometimes people suggest, well, perhaps there's something wrong with you, perhaps something wrong with your relationship with God and that's why your prayer has been answered perhaps there's some sin in your life and of course, whilst there's truth in all these things that are being said it's a little bit unkind if somebody's crying out to God in desperate situations then you start praying for them and when nothing happens we, we, we then put the blame on the person and they go away from their prayer time feeling worse than when before they were prayed for so it seems to me that there is a, a problem and we just need to be honest about 
uh, unanswered prayer, it is a problem nobody talks about. And we don't like to talk about it because it's much more interesting and exciting hearing stories of answers to prayer, isn't it? You know, and I'm sure after this service, at least one or two people will come and tell me of these wonderful experiences of answered prayer. And that's great. And we praise God for those. But please don't tell those same stories to people that are struggling with unanswered prayer. Because the mother who's just lost a child uh, will not be encouraged if you tell the story about when your child was ill and God healed her. That will not encourage the mother that's just lost a child. Lost a child. If, if, if somebody's suffering from mental illness and has suffered from mental illness for years and years and has, and has pleaded with God to take it away, if you come to them and say, I used to suffer with mental illness and God healed me and released me, that's not going to encourage them. They're going to be left thinking, well, well why has God healed this person and helped that person and not helped me? So we need to be careful about what we do with our answers to prayer as well as the prayers that are unanswered. It is a problem that we do need to talk about. And you need to be encouraged that you're not alone. Many believers struggle with the issue of unanswered prayers. And many good, strong, believing Christians struggle with this issue. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, A Grief Observed, the book he wrote after the loss of his wife. He says, when you are happy, so happy you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be or so it feels welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. And maybe some of you have gone to God and you've knocked on the door. And all you've heard is that bolting from the inside and then silence. And you know what that feels like. Others of you may not know that experience, and if you don't know it, that's wonderful. But don't kid yourself into thinking that other people haven't experienced that. And again, Philip Yancey says, I don't doubt that God answers prayer, rather I struggle with the inconsistency of those apparent answers. And I don't doubt that God answers prayer, but like Yancey, I I struggle with the inconsistency that one person prays and gets an answer, and another person prays and doesn't. And there seems to be no pattern, even though Jesus in the Lord's Prayer gave us a pattern of how to pray, there doesn't seem to be a a pattern in how God answers prayer. Of course, one of the problems is we think that, well, if, if, if we do things in the right order and the right words, then we'll get the right results. We look at it as a maths equation, don't we? You know, we know that three plus two equals six, don't we? Just checking you with me. I know it equals five really, but you know what I mean? But we think that free, and so when we come to, when we come to prayer, we think that if we do this and that and, and we get our lives in order and we have enough faith, then that equals answers to prayer. And the problem is sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. So the honesty of an answer prayer, we just need to be honest. And if we can't be honest with each other, we can be honest with God. We can be honest with God. We can cry out to God and uh, we can come to God in honesty. And he will accept us, he won't reject us if we're honest about our struggles and about the difficulties that we have. And so having been honest about the fact that sometimes it appears that prayers go unanswered, I want to talk a little about the history of unanswered prayer because there is a long history of unanswered prayer. I said that we're not alone. 
When you pray and you don't get an answer, you're not alone in that. Christians throughout the ages have struggled with this same issue. And not only that, um, just thought I'd lighten the moment for lighten the issue for a moment. In the history of unanswered prayer, you do know that there are examples of unanswered prayer in the Bible, don't you? There are examples of unanswered prayer in the Bible. In fact, uh, Pete Gregg in the prayer course said this week, he said, I think the Bible is more honest about unanswered prayer than most churches are. Moses pleaded with God to be able to enter the promised land, uh, but wasn't allowed to. David spent a week fasting and praying for his son, but sadly, he did not get better. Uh, Habakkuk says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? I like the way the message verse puts it. God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? And Paul, of course, in the passage that we read, three times prayed for his thorn in the flesh to be removed, and it wasn't removed. Uh, He had to live with unanswered prayer. Of course, people can say, well, God did answer. He just said no. But I think I've already explained that that's not really uh, what we're talking about. And then Jesus. Can you believe it? Jesus was not able to perform many miracles in his hometown. And Jesus prayed that all those who believe in him may be one. A prayer that still goes unanswered to this day. Because Christians continue uh, to argue and squabble and fight over all sorts of things. You can hardly say that the church is one. And I'm talking about the church universal. So there are examples of unanswered prayer uh, throughout the history, through the Bible. Uh, the, the question of why God doesn't answer prayer is asked. And of course, uh, when we look in the Psalms, uh, the Psalms continually uh, grapple with this issue. Uh, the most uh, common psalm is the psalm of lament. That's the most numbers, numbers of psalms, psalms of lament. And a psalm of lament is really a psalm of complaint. It's a complaint to God about this and that and the other. Why do you let the world, why do you let the, the, the evil people prosper and the good people uh, perish? Why don't you listen to me? Why don't you answer to me? You'll find it all there in the psalms. And the psalmists are offering those as part of their worship to God. I've said it before and I'll probably say it again. You know, it would be good running sometimes to have a time not just of open prayer and praise, but a time of lament where we allow people just to cry out to God and uh, be honest. And so there is a history of unanswered prayer. And then there is the mystery of unanswered prayer. Again, Philip Yancey says, between the two questions... Does God answer my prayer and will God grant my specific prayer for this sick child or particular injustice lies a great pool of mystery. Sometimes we like a good mystery, don't we? Uh, But not when it comes to the Bible or church. Uh, We would rather things were very straightforward. So how should a Christian respond to unanswered prayer? What do we do? Uh, with unanswered prayer. Where, where do we go? Where do we go with it? What do we do? Well, we don't give up. We don't give up. We don't stop praying. We don't say, well, we've tried that, it didn't work. 
Uh, I prayed to God, nothing happened, not going to try it again. We do that with some things, don't we? We try things and they don't work and say, oh, we're not trying that again. But when it comes to prayer, I suggest that we don't, we don't follow that pattern and model. That we keep on praying. That we keep on knocking. Uh, Jesus says a lot in, 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 in the New Testament about the persistency of prayer. You know, he tells a story about a, a neighbour that goes and knocks on his, his, his neighbour's door in the middle of the night because some people have turned up. And he hasn't got any, any food to give them. And the man persists. And it says that the, the, the guy gets up not because he, he wants to, to, to answer his question, but because of his persistence. So there's this thing about persisting in prayer to keep on going to God. The greatest test of faith is when you don't get what you want, but still you are able to say, thank you, Lord. You see... When God doesn't answer our prayers, sometimes that's an opportunity for us to actually deepen our faith rather than have our faith wrecked. Because if we continually go to God even though we don't get what we want, that requires a lot more faith. Do you notice in, in, in the New Testament that one of the criticisms that Jesus has of his disciples is he, he uses this phrase, um, you of little faith, or if you want to be uh, kind of... Uh, King James, ye of little faith. But you see, the disciples didn't need a lot of faith because they had Jesus. Uh, you know, Jesus turns water into wine. He calms the storm. He feeds the 5,000. He brings the, the dead back to life. He was there with them. They didn't need any faith. They, they, they could see Jesus doing these things. Uh, when they tried to do them themselves, they, they weren't quite as good at Jesus, but that's not surprising, really. Um, but they were often accused of having little faith. And it requires more faith when the miracle doesn't come than when we see the miracle. It requires more faith when the prayers go unanswered than when the prayers are answered. When I was a young Christian, it appeared to me that just God answered every prayer that I prayed. And it was great. And, uh, you know, that's what I thought. I grew up with this picture of a God who, who just answered every prayer. Uh, the problem was I'd never really prayed for anything really very significant in my, in my life. There'd been quite simple, small things uh, but as you get older and the prayers become more kind of uh, serious, it was then that I discovered the pain of unanswered prayer. When you pray about something that really matters and God seems strangely silent, it's then that our faith is either destroyed or our faith in God grows because we believe in God whatever. And our friend Job says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. And some of us know what, that, what, know what that's like. There is a mystery to unanswered prayer. There is a mystery. D.A. Carson in his book, Reflections on Suffering and Evil, How Long, Our Lord, says, Despite the best efforts and the promise of the health and wealth gospel, the fact is that Christians get old and wrinkled, we know that, they contract cancer and heart disease, become deaf and blind and eventually die. In many parts of the world, Christians have to face the blight of famine, the scourge of war. That's not to say that God does not sometimes intervene in remarkable ways. It is to say, rather, that we live in a fallen world and cannot escape participation in its evil and suffering. If you doubt this, you are, one, either ignorant of what many Christians around the world have to face daily. Two, not old enough yet, for certainly if you live long enough, you'll suffer. Three, kidding yourselves. Or for some combination of the above. I like that because some Christians are kidding themselves. And they want to kid other people. 
into thinking that God will always answer the prayer if you pray it properly in the right order with enough faith and you've uh, got rid of all the sin in, in your life and you can stand before the presence of God in, in perfection uh, that God will somehow answer your prayer. And we are kidding ourselves because it seems to me that sometimes he does. And that's wonderful and amazing. But sometimes he doesn't. And that's painful and hard and difficult to understand. There is a mystery of unanswered prayer. Paul said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And perhaps, although there is a great mystery, there is some sort of answer in that passage we read from Corinthians chapter 2. That somehow, God allows us to struggle and keeps not answering our prayers because somehow his power is made perfect in weakness rather than in strength. And it seems almost topsy-turvy, doesn't it? Because we think strong is good and weak is bad. We think powerful is, 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 is good and people without power are not so good. We think wealth is good and poverty is bad. And Jesus seems to turn that around. And Paul seems to have learned a very difficult lesson in the fact that he, he prays for this thorn in the flesh, which commentators love to kind of grapple about what that might mean, what it actually was. Nobody really knows. Again, it's a mystery. Um, but he was left with this thing that he prayed for and he prayed for and he prayed for and it wasn't taken away from him. And Jesus and uh, Paul hears God saying to him, "Your great, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And of course we see that in Jesus on the cross. When Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, My father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And if you're going to pray as you will, then we're not always going to get what we want. If we pray as you will, then we enter into the mystery of prayer. And of this relationship with God. Where the reality is we don't have all the answers. And of course some people don't like that. Because we live in a world where you can just put a question into Google. And you'll get an answer. And we think that Christianity should be the same. There should be an answer that we can take away. And say, oh, here's the answer. This is the reason. And sometimes we have to live with mystery. The mystery of unanswered prayer. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And again we get that idea that we haven't really got the whole picture. We can't see exactly as God sees. Because we are human and God is God. God is God and we are not. And so there is a mystery I came across this, uh, this poem that a guy wrote at the funeral of uh, a loved one called He Maketh No Mistake. And it goes like this. My father's way may twist and turn, my heart may throb and ache, but in my soul I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray, may ho- my hopes may fade away, but still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, 
I'll pin my faith, my all in him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much now I cannot see. My eyesight's far too dim. But come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift. And plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, he make not one mistake. And so, when it comes to unanswered prayers, I don't have all the answers. But I do still go to the one who is the answer. I'm going to try and be honest and not pretend that all my prayers are answered. And I'm going to allow people to speak about unanswered prayer as well as answered prayer. Even though it doesn't sound so exciting. One person comes to the stage and says, you know, God did this and God did that and it was wonderful and I prayed and and, and God answered and it was great and they can give all sorts of wonderful uh, illustrations and somebody else comes to the stage and says, I prayed to God and nothing happened. And we shouldn't say that this testimony is better than that testimony because they both come from people of faith who people who remain faithful. And so we're going to be honest in answered prayer. We're going to recognise that there's a history of unanswered prayer and we're not alone. There are those that have struggled with and grappled with the issue of unanswered prayer. And we have to live within the mystery. We have to live within the mystery. Can we live in the mystery of not knowing? And that's where hope comes in. We don't hope for things that we already have. We hope for things that are yet to be. And we are a people of hope. And we have hope. And we have hope in the good days, but we also have hope in the bad days. We have hope when our prayers are answered, but we also can have hope when our prayers are unanswered. And so, if this morning you have struggled and grappled with the problem of unanswered prayer, I suggest you carry on struggling and grappling. That you keep going and knocking at the door. And even if you hear that bolting and double bolting, just keep knocking. Just keep going. Don't give up. Because God hears our prayers. And he answers them in the way that he answers them.